Welcome to episode 21 of the Parallel Physiques podcast. Today, we are joined by Lexi Lanfer, one of Kenneth's clients who has a fascinating story. You're going to love this. We talk through everything she's been through, what brought her to coaching, what big idea she wanted, and what light bulb moment happened for her. Um, she walks us through the whole process, where she's at right now and where she's planning to go. Welcome to the podcast. This is an exciting one. Get out your pen and paper. You may want to take notes. And now, welcome to episode 21. Welcome everyone. We are uh, exploring episode 21 today with Lexi Lanfear. She is a client of Kenneth's. So he wanted to bring her on today and discuss uh, their relationship, where they've come, where they're going, and, uh, and the importance of her story. Lexi, we are so excited to have you on today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me. I was like, oh, I feel honored. <laughs> I was thinking about it's... it when, when I was getting ready to do the podcast, because I always give Kenneth a, a hard time because he literally, I mean, look at him. If you can't see him, listeners, um, he's got- this, I'm homeless. I look homeless. Yeah, he's a homeless dude with a cap on. <laughs> and he literally rolls into the show, like with his, if he had hair, hair on fire from whatever he was doing. And I'm like, you got to give me a half an hour to get my hair done. I put the makeup on. Like, we should have a green, a green room before this just so we can get hair. Yeah. So yeah. I understand feeling a little anxious about being on the show. But, man, we are so excited to have you here. No, I'm super excited, especially just with the way things have changed in the past, like, week or so. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll say this too, just to tack on to what Laura was just saying. This is just a conversation. It's just you and me talking. Um, you know, you don't have to be 100% vulnerable because there are other people listening. But at the end of the day, you know, you just feel comfortable. You talk about what you want to talk about. And I think you have a story that is impactful um, that can help other people. And I think all three of us on this podcast want to help other people. And that's really why. I had you come on because you in your own very stubborn way have decided to go against the grain and follow everything that I've asked you to do. And it's, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, say I have 45, 50 clients, whatever it is, there is about a, I don't know, 15% of you guys that, will literally do whatever it is that I say. Um, the rest of everybody else, it's sort of a gradient scale and we have varying different results and stuff like that. And it's not like people aren't successful when they don't follow what I'm saying hundred percent, but it's, it's crazy impactful when I see the, pro the progress that you've made in the last six months, it's, you're not even the same human. So, no. Anyway, so so start off kind of like where you were. Um and I think it was Dahlia that recommended yeah. you to me. And maybe yeah. talk about that conversation and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So I remember I had reached out to Dahlia. I was just like, I am not doing okay. 
Like I'm having suicidal thoughts. I knew I wasn't going to act on them, but I knew like I wasn't in a good place. Um, I knew I needed help. And it was like everything I was trying to do just wasn't working. Um, so I remember I reached out to Dahlia and I was looking at Matt Cusano and she was like, well, look, um, she was like, I know Kenneth. And I'd never even heard of Kenneth. <laughs> you know? I'd never even heard of you. And um, and she was like, just have a conversation. She was like, I think he's a perfect fit for you. I know you, I know him. And I remember we got on, I messaged you and yeah. we got on the call. And I think it was like 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, it was. I'm walking outside in Lake Toxaway, this beautiful lake, but I've been isolated for six months like from everyone. And uh, man, I was just in so much pain and I felt heard. I remember yeah. that. I remember you listened to me, but also how calm your voice was. And I knew right then I was like, he, he will help me. Like he will actually help me and he cares to help me. Um, and I think it was like, what, a couple months after is when we finally like, I pulled the trigger. Yeah. 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 You had to get some, some things squared away, I guess, financially and stuff. But I think, you know, from my perspective that day, I remember I was walking around um, my living room and I thought, you know, this girl is going to be a challenge. Um, you were going to, you were a new, it was a new situation because I'd never really had somebody sort of in a mental place that you were in. And I, and I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to say, no, I can't help you. It was going to be, let's see if she's, if she has the ability to tackle this mental health side first, because if without that, we cannot, we won't make any progress at all. You'll, you'll literally just fail, um, you know, week after week after week, and then eventually you just quit. And so, you know, in my mind, I thought, okay, well, we've got to get some testing done and stuff, you know, eventually, but I really just need to get her, on just a basic habit tracker, which, you know, this over here, Laura is like the queen of the habit tracker. She's the one that made my habit tracker. And, um, you know, she's got this incredible way about taking women in particularly and meeting them where they are and allowing them to kind of gradually get to where we need them to go. And I learned that from her. It, I mean, usually like, Usually our, the dynamic of our relationship is she's running something past me and I'm either confirming that she's right or she's never run into this situation and she, she needs some help. So, you know, as much as she doubts herself, sometimes she's actually coaching me too while I'm coaching her. And um, at, at the end of the day, uh, I knew that with you. I was like, I'm just going to baby step this girl. So when you finally said, let's go, what did I tell you? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to, I'm not going to put you on a meal plan. Right. I'm, and you, you kind of lost I your freaked shit. Out. <laughs> I freaked out. I remember. Oh my God. That's so funny. I remember I'm outside. My parents had came up to the mountain house and I'm like, mom, you're going to have to go to the grocery store with me. I mean, I freaked out. I was like, what do you mean? I mean, all I had this rush of anxiety that just consumed my body I was just like, I don't know what you're like, what are, what are you saying right now? That does well, not make sense. Well, well, so one of the, one of the things that I knew is that you were a competitor, you've had coaches before, 
you know generally how to meal prep and what to do. And so what did I ask you to do? I just said, eat intuitively. I want you to enjoy yourself to some degree and also just try to eat enough food. And you literally, you were like, intuitively, I don't even know what, I don't even know how to do that. And I was like, yeah, you do. You do it when you have a coach. You're just following the plan. Just whatever was in the plan before, just sort of do that thing. And you were like, what? And so, you know, I just was like, I don't even know if she'll, I don't know if this, I don't know if she'll make it, you know, but I'm going to force her to do this. And, um, hey, can you know, we put a pause on this for just one second? Yeah, yeah, like, I yeah, love yeah. that you're talking about your struggles initially, but I'm wondering, Lexi, if we could just rewind just a hair, if you would be willing to share, you talked about the fact that the reason you were looking to reach out to someone is because you were really struggling and, and you, so you were going to reach out to Matt and then you reached out to Kenneth. Can you kind of help our listeners understand what you're struggling with? Because I don't know if people are looking on YouTube, whatever, because we're on YouTube, just in case everybody needs yeah. to know that. But you look like, right? And, and this is a, where a lot of people come from is someone might walk up to you and be like, how could you be struggling? You have this gorgeous long hair and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're beautiful. You don't have wrinkles and you're thin and you're lovely. And how could you be struggling, Lexi? Come on. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, I mean, well, we kind of got to rewind a little bit further, you know, it was a couple years back and it, I mean, really after I competed, I struggled with binge eating terribly, you know, I'm in recovery for substance abuse, you know? And so it was like, you know, I have that aspect, right. Of like my mental health that I have to work on and, you know, be diligent with and, but it was like, I was obsessively working in a career field that does not benefit me. That is not like my true self. And that will, will you know, go into more later on how I- And we, can't, and we kind of that. talked about that too, when we first started, um, you know, she's working in insurance. And I was like, this girl not, does not need to work in insurance. That's what I was thinking <laughs> in my head. I was like, this, this doesn't seem like this is a good fit for her. And so, you know, to talk about what you were talking about, Laura, I mean, I think what I see with my girls is, man, they, there is nobody better than a damn foundry girl who can fucking fake it. I mean, they fake it with the best of them. I mean, like you, you can meet them all and you have no idea that they have insecurities or troubles or whatever, because they're all these type A people who have, they're tough they have this tough outer skin, but they are like the ooeyest, gooeyest people on the inside. Does that sound familiar, Laura? Because I think I might have just labeled you. But <laughs> so I don't know if it's because I'm the person that I am and that's what attracts, that's what I attract. But if I had a foundry girl party, it would be, it'd be a shit show. It'd be a shit show. Like, I don't, like, I, there would have to be parental guidance. Like, there would have to be some sort of chaperone because before the end of the night, the, the ice cream's coming out and everybody's going to be talking about their feelings and they're all eating ice cream and it's going to be the worst cheat meal ever made. 
and it's just I think that detailed. sounds amazing. I don't know, Lexi. What do you, <laughs> you think? Have a pretty accurate. Okay? <laughs> That's like spot on. Because everyone that, that I work with has, to some degree, dealt with some sort of eating type disorder. Laura has been in that boat too. So you know, there's some tendencies. I think there's some traumas that are consistent with the individuals that I work with, which end up drawing out the same outcomes a lot of the time. But for whatever reason, you were probably one of the worst shape that I've ever had. And just from a stability standpoint, like you just felt like you were super unstable in general. And for me, I think even with Laura, you know, as a coach, we need stability in your life to be able to create the plan. Because if you're stable, then the plan is easier to follow. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I can't throw anything at her that's going to be just overly stimulating, but I'm going to force her to be uncomfortable with where she is because what causes change? Be uncomfortable. If yeah. you're not uncomfortable, you're not going to change or you can shut down. So that's what I was really trying to find out. Is she going to shut down on me or is she going to start to change? And what'd you do? I changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, How long did I keep you in that purgatory? It wasn't that long, it, right? No, it was like a month. Yeah. And then I remember, you know, I remember, God, that week was so terrible. It was fight or flight mode all, I mean, all week. I was not functioning. I was not hungry. I was not trained. I was just like, I was frozen. Um, and it was, I just remember there was so much anxiety. And I talked to my parents about moving back. And I had this like idea wrapped around like still. But like, but why were you moving back? Who told you to move? Because I need you told me to move back. So like, <laughs> Kenneth said, move back home. And so I sat on it. I think for like what we talked on a two. I remember we talked on a Tuesday, and I think it was Friday. I sent you a text because I was getting on the highway, and I said, Yeah, you were driving home. Yeah, yeah I was like, just want to let you know thought about our conversation Tuesday, <laughs> packed all my shit up. I'm and the reason why I had her move home was because financially you need stability. You needed some sort of community around you that was going to take care of you because you were isolated in the mountains. Um, you were struggling with that job. And so if I knew that I could get you home, you know, we all have our family struggles and our, you know, the weird dynamics and stuff. And I didn't really understand any of that because we hadn't had that conversation, but and it, it's turned out to be probably the best move you could have made for the time being. And what I had to tell you was, Lexi, you're not quitting on your goals or your career or your life. This is literally just slowing down to speed up. And sometimes, you know, I had a mentor in my, um, in my business career that I was, you know, I had lots of employees at the time when I had the sales goal that we had to hit. And I felt like I was the only one pulling the weight. And I felt like we were just right there at the cusp of this goal every single month, but we weren't consistently easily hitting it like I, like I was used to. And so I was bitching and complaining to this guy. And his name was Mark Barr. Mark goes, Kenneth, there's two things. One, um, they call it work and not sex because it's not any fun. And then he told me, uh, sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. And what he meant was I had to slow down my process. I had to get everybody else on board 
so that we could move the Titanic in the right direction. Probably a bad joke for the last week, but it was literally the ship had to move and I had to have everybody on board to be able to do that. And I had to slow down long enough to let everyone know what their role was, what they had to execute so that we could move forward without, you know, stopping, stopping the boat. And so I knew, and what else did I tell you? I said, talk to your parents, tell them what we're doing because they need to understand what we're doing. And as soon as you did that, all like you started being more stable. You remember like that next week I was like, Hey girl, what's going on? And you were like, I'm pretty good over here. <laughs> but yeah, and you've had ups and downs, right? Yeah. But that's kind of where it got us. And so at this point, I don't even think you were, you were, you weren't bought in. Were you at that point? Or you were just, you were sort of blindly following me. You weren't like, yeah, let's go, never... let's follow Kenneth to the death. Let's fucking go. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Cause I remember just being like, realizing I had to let go of control. Now I kept trying to take it back and fight it because that's just like who I am. But I remember just like, I was like, I'm letting him direct my life because like, I'm not functioning. I'm not living, I'm existing, I'm a shell of a person, and I, I don't know what else to do. But, like, my yeah. way has gotten me to where I'm at, and I can't do this. Like, I can't do it my way yeah. anymore. You know, yeah. so that's kind of where I was at, where I was just like, you know what, just tell me. I mean, I, I moved to Wilmington. I moved back in with my parents, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that yeah. was... Uh, I was glad that I did that though. Like looking back, I'm like, holy crap, that was the best move I could have made. And at the time it was the most defeating feeling. Because you felt like you were just giving up on you, but I had to, you had to stop doing what you were doing because that's what was actually stealing you of, of who you were. And I was just like, okay, we got to like redirect this girl's whole thought process. So to stop here for a second, there's probably people listening that are like, the fuck are we doing here? Like, this doesn't sound like coaching. <laughs> this doesn't sound like nutrition, you know, nutrition coaching or, or bodybuilding coaching or anything like that. But, you know, I just had a call with another client. He's five weeks out from USA's. And, um, you know, the thing is, if I don't have everybody mentally stable, then every bit of the progress that we hope to make won't happen. And it's taken what me and Laura, how long has it taken us to kind of grab a hold of the fact that if the mind isn't going in the right direction, the body, you know, follows. And, you know, would you say it's probably in the last year we've kind of come to really see evidence of that? Or do you feel like it's been longer? Um, no, you know what? I think it's a, uh, I think that's like a two part answer to that, right? Is, we've always known there was something going on. Like, you know, like I've been doing this for, I don't know, upwards of seven years. You've been doing it for just as long. And you know, yeah. you, you start out and you do the basics cause you know what you know to help people and you get them to a point and then everybody plateaus and you're like, what the heck is going on? I don't get it. So probably within the last year is when we really started digging in and understanding that the mental piece like i mean everybody should understand you cannot disconnect your brain from your body right 
If you want your body to look a certain way, your brain's got to be right there with it because your brain's the one that tells the body what to do. Um, so I think probably in the last, yeah, I think it's probably been the last year. Do you, our, do you think it has to do with uh, my own issues that I've brought to the table? No, I, I think I, it does. You know I, I think, think it does. I think it's, you know, it's, you are a good example to, in the moment, like right there to go, okay, you're going through this and this is how you're do, dealing with it. Um, but then to like compare and watch other people and just take that knowledge. And that's what we do, right? We take the knowledge that we have and we apply it to other people and we see how it fits. And right. so to, to be able to do that and go, yeah, this person, we all have our shit, right? We all have our traumas. Mm -hmm. And I was just talking to a client the other day and she's like, oh, but you know, my issue, not as bad as whomever X, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm and I, so I shouldn't feel why. And I'm like, no, because everybody's, everybody is this different person and our trauma is our trauma. And it feels the same. My trauma to me feels the same as your trauma feels to you. Exactly. We can't, we can't compare it. We just have to figure it out and we have to find a way to be better and to feel better. Yeah. Um, and yeah, everybody, every client, every single one now is like, oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's kind of like when we started on this functional health journey, uh, Laura and I, we kind of started learning the same stuff at the same time. It's interesting how God works. It's like, he just plopped her next to me and was like, Hey, you guys are going to ride on the same ride for a while until you just decide that you're going to talk to each other. And mm -hmm. so eventually, um, you know, the smarter you get in the space from a functional perspective, the more you realize everybody you talk to is really messed up and you like, they all have functional health issues. And like, it's, it's literally the most common thing in the world. And then you start recognizing that there's like groups of people. There's like four types of people and everybody kind of falls in these four types of people. And it's usually trauma related, personality related, um, you know, like these life experiences that have come along and you can say, well, I have, I have five Lexis. They're all on a gradient scale of, you know, health, but I have five girls that you could probably just be best fucking friends with because you're just alike. Now, I don't want that to happen because, boy, that sounds like a nightmare on Elm Street because you guys are just going to all like, it'll be like gremlins. You just multiply. It's just going to be like crazy. So <laughs> then there's other people that I have, you know, similar, you know, I have similar aspects about who these people are. Like, for example, Ryan Farida and Paulin. They're both two of my very top athletes. There are some very significant similarities with these guys. There are some significant differences, but they have a set of, uh, they have a skill set that is incredible along with their genetics and they have similar thought processes, similar, similar interactions. So when you do this for long enough, you can start seeing the similarities across the board. And so you start to understand, yeah, okay, there's protocols in place, and, but there's nuances. That's why protocols just don't work with everybody. Like I can't take the same gut protocol that I put Laura on and put you on it and expect it to work. So <clears throat> you have to know the individual and coach to that individual. And that's really what my mentor was saying. He was saying, not only do you need to slow down and pay attention 
but you have to slow down before you speed up with everyone else because everyone that's in your charge, everyone that you're leading requires something different of you. And if I don't give that to that person, they're not going to be able to be successful for the whole team to be successful. And so well, I when think, I looked at you, I think here, it's difficult. I think it's difficult from the client perspective, right, Lexi? I mean, you can speak to this is when you're that type a person to have someone tell you to slow down and stop. Right? Yeah. yeah. What? We're, we're still what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, let's fucking go. And he's yeah. like, no, no, no. And mm. then I remember like being, there were so many times, I mean, I was, I still struggle with it, you know, where I'm like, I just want to go. But I think now it's like, I've seen when I look over the past couple of years and like previous coaches, that's all it's been. And yeah. that's why I'm at where I've been at. You know, that's why I'm going through what I'm going through is because I haven't slowed down. I haven't looked in the mirror like we were talking about earlier i've neglected all of that you mm -hmm. know and in return my body has said f you you know yeah. like you haven't been healing the internal so and it sh it shows you know yeah. it's proof that and just looking at the my mindset from like even a couple weeks ago kenneth we were talking on the phone and he was like delete the word failure from your vocabulary because that's all I felt and that's all I said to myself I'm a failure I'm a failure I'm failing in life you know um and you say that enough and you believe that and then and nothing was improving whatsoever. nothing nothing ever. nothing like and like the chat like the 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 check-ins were almost like why are we even doing check-ins <laughs> like what yeah, is going on here? that's kind of how because nothing was changing <laughs> at all my weight wasn't changing nothing my yeah. sleep everything my anxiety um and you and had wait, and flow. this is this is really important so i want us to highlight this part nothing was changing your check-ins were the same what did you do so why did that happen and what did you do to make that change because i guarantee you if we have god bless if we have ten thousand people listening to this right now they're sitting at home, honestly, and they're saying to themselves, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Nothing is changing. Right. So dig in. Yeah. What yeah. was not changed? Why wasn't it changing? And what did you guys do? I think this is going to be huge for people right here. So you talk yeah. about why it wasn't changing, Lexi, and I'll pick up the ball on what I did. Okay. Um, it wasn't changing because my mental headspace um, was not there. You know, it just, I, it was, I was constantly feeding myself negative. It was negative input, negative input. Um, Can you give some examples of that? So like obsessively thinking about like my body, my body looks like crap. I don't look good. I'm fat, you know, ill, who would want to be with me? And then it's like isolating from others. Then I was binge eating. Like I would, I would be alone for 48 hours and I would end up binge eating. And then I'm like upset with myself and guilt and shame. And it was just like, and I would tell Kenneth afterwards, you know, but I felt like crap, you know, and I was just, it was just this cycle. I was still going through the same cycle that I'd been doing before. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would just, I'd talk to myself in the worst way you could possibly talk to yourself. 
you know, um, I was beating myself up with a baseball bat all day long, you know, and that's all I thought about was me and my insecurities and where I'm failing at in life. And I have no purpose. Like that was, that was all I thought about all the time. And then it was like, I'm going to excessively train and it would be like 10 o'clock, 1030. I'm getting out of the gym after working all day exhausted and it just, nothing was happening. You know, so my mental headspace was just not, it was still very negative. And so I'm going to pick up the ball. Uh, We would have one good week and then we'd have a really fucking bad week. And it would just be, I mean, it was, Lexi has been the least fun roller coaster I've ever been on. (laughs) It has just been not fun because the lows were really, really, really low. The highs were like, yeah. I mean, you're at the top of the roller coaster. You're like, yeah, this is the best day. And then it's low. This is the worst. And so what I had to realize was, okay, we've got to somehow stabilize this. And the only way I can do it is consistently talk to her on the phone. Because when she talk, when I talk to her on the phone, she, she can see what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm being the mirror as a coach. I'm saying, Hey Lexi, look how crazy you are today. (laughs) Right. So in the kindest of ways, I mean, I'm saying that in a joking way, but like I would in the kindest of ways. Um, and I think you can probably, I don't know, agree with this. I, I have this really special way of like kicking you in the ass, but telling you that I love you at the same time. Um, I don't, it's a gift. I don't know where I got it from. Um, Laura has a similar gift with me and I'm thankful for it. So what I would say is, um, this goes back a little bit to my history. So Lexi was doing what I was doing, the low, low, the lowest of lows. Like, and when I would get back up a little bit, when I would have a good day, it wouldn't last long. Right, Laura? Like, I, I might have a really good day. I'd get really excited about something. And then all of a sudden, the next day, you'd be like, you okay? What are you crying about? We had a good day yesterday. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And, and it, was just, it was just a roller coaster ride. It was fucking terrible. And so at one point in time, you know, I uh, was talking to a friend, and I was just in a very, very bad place. And he said, you know, I ran across this guy who's a shaman. And he is affiliated with this Native American church. And um, he does these ceremonies, these healing ceremonies. And um, I think it's worth having a conversation with this guy to do this. And so I had the conversation with the guy. And, you know, it, it was very out of left field for me. Um, and it's funny, too, like if... I've heard the story that like psychedelics find you, you don't find psychedelics and that's exactly the case. And so I'm finding myself walking in the woods with this guy to lay down on a blanket and to smoke something that I've never, ever smoked before. And I sure as hell have no idea how it's going to affect me, but I do know Joe Rogan and all of these other professionals on these podcasts are telling me that this psychedelic drug could be the key to unlocking the trauma, the repetitive uh, negative thoughts or whatever. And so 
the science behind it is you have the amygdala, which is in sort of the center, center portion of your brain. It's like the reptilian part of your brain. Uh, arousal, arousal happens there. Um, fight or flight happens there. Your trauma, your looping thoughts. So all of your looping thoughts about your body and having to do more and all that stuff, that's where all that's stored. And there's other ways to heal this, but sometimes when you find somebody that's so low, the journey's going to be so long that that's so daunting in your mind that you need something to just have relief to be able to get up the next day. And that's really where I was. I was going to counseling. Counseling's great. I'm not going to discount it. But talk therapy is a very slow process in unraveling trauma. So my talk therapist told me, we need to do EMDR. Well, EMDR is where they bilaterally stimulate your brain. You can look from left to right, or you can tap your, you can tap your knees from left to right. You, and even the way it was made was you're walking down the street without you know, headphones in. What are you doing? You're looking from left to right. You're, you're enjoying nature. And so the inventor of EMDR that's where it started. They realized every time I take a walk, my anxiety goes down. So everyone that I program that you need to take a walk in the morning, take your fucking walk, please. Because you probably need it for your mental health. That was just a PSA announcement. So um, I will also say uh, it's scary to do EMDR because you don't know what you're going to uncover. And so it was very slow in the process. And I'm very much like, I'm very much a person like, well, if we're going to rip the Band-Aid off, you better yank that motherfucker because I want to get through this. So I go into the woods with this guy and I smoke five MEO DMT. It was about 18 minutes long. And when I woke up, um, I had processed through a significant amount of trauma that happened to me throughout that particular year. I had kind of set my intentions before I did, did the ceremony to work through this one particular thing. And when I woke up, I was kind of confused as to whether it worked or not, but I did have an emotional release. And what I didn't know at the time is your body and your mind are connected. And for your body, for you to be able to, you know, process trauma you actually have to have emotional release that's that physical portion so if you don't have that emotional release more than likely you haven't processed through the trauma the way that you need to process through the trauma well laura you can speak to what happened the next week what did you see in me oh you uh you were a very different person. Your lows, you weren't low. Not like you mm-hmm. were. I mean, it was frightening right. how low you were when you were low. And um, Lexi, I would assume that's probably what your experience was too, is that when you're low, you were low, you were- It, it was, was bad. Yeah. And Kenneth's, uh, he, I mean, he wasn't like flying high, everything was great, but but there wasn't the despair. There wasn't despair. Right. There was normal, yeah, I'm melancholy, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this, but it wasn't, it wasn't the scary despair that it had been. And I was eating and you were, eating. and I was sleeping and, and I was sleeping and I was actually working. Yeah. Um, I had stopped working. I had stopped eating. I'd stopped sleeping. And so, you know, 
I have all these experiences, right? Like this is, this is what's been my journey. And what I've realized was you were exactly where I was. And I was like, well, there's only one way out of this that I know of. And so I suggested this Native American ceremony um, with the shaman. And I actually, I actually suggested it earlier on. Um, yeah. It was probably like in that first conversation that we had. <laughs> Yeah. And, and it's just like every time I have this type of conversation, when I talk about psychedelic drugs and things like that, there's a scary connotation to it. Because if you were, you know, born anywhere close to the 80s and 90s, like you watch these videos at school where people do psychedelic drugs and they're jumping out of a three-story window and, you know, they're, they're dying. And that's, that is not what this is. And it's also under supervision with a professional and all that stuff. So um, it, there's a really negative connotation. And then you take on, you take on top of that, people realize they're going to have to deal with their trauma and they don't know how to, they don't know what they're going to see. They don't know what they're going to do. They have no idea how they're going to respond. It's the unknown that's scary. So when I bring it up, I kind of just bring it up and let it marinate. And then eventually you came around and you were like, I think I need to do this. And so we set it up for what, not this week, this past weekend, but the weekend before. Yeah. Lexi, can you, and, can you speak a little bit to what Kenneth is talking about for you? Like, what were your thoughts when he brought it up and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember it was probably the first conversation we had <laughs> that you had brought it up and like being in recovery with substance abuse, of course, it's not like the first option. <laughs> you know like it's actually you know and so talking about this is kind of i wouldn't say scary um i know there's going to be judgment behind it you know people yeah. that know me that are in recovery but it's also for me it's like you know i did medication you know what i'm saying i've been doing therapy for almost six years now like yeah. consistently um yeah. I've done all of these things and, and nothing has worked. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not getting better. And yes. so the first time when Kenneth brought it up, I remember I talked to my sponsor, which is someone in a 12 step program. And um, I said, Hey, like, I'm thinking about this. I'm going to talk to other people. Like kind of, what do you think about this? You know, yes. like, um, and so I kind of did my own research. I talked to other people, like you said, I let it marinate, you know? Um, and I think it was like that last check-in or that last conversation, you called me, you called me and uh, you said, how's it going? I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know because it was just, I was so hollow. The only way I can describe what I was feeling was like, I am in a loop every single day doing the same thing, obsessing about my steps, obsessing about when I'm going to like eat my next meal or how I'm going to figure out with training. Like it, it was just, I was not living. Mm. And, and when Kenneth finally like brought it up again, I was just like, I was like, okay, because like I, I needed some form of hope, you know, like yes. it was like my last shot of hope you know, and, um, yep. to just get better in some way to change my trajectory, you know, in life. Um, because I just didn't feel like, I was like, I'd rather go back to using 
than to live like I'm living, you know, um, because it did, it felt like active addiction. I felt hollow, you know, and empty inside. Um, so that's like where I finally was just like, okay, like I'm, I'm ready. I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but like, I can't do this anymore. Cause Laura, you talked about despair. Like that's how it felt like every day. I want to pause here and I kind of circle back around to like the 12 step program and sort of the addiction recovery and all that. Um, I actually have a lot of people that I've worked with that are, that have been addicts and I'm not, I don't want to discount the word addict because that, that, that is significant. But I also, what I tend to find is when all of you addicts get in one room and you uh, talk about the 12 step program, you all want to stay at, in this like addictive community community and you kind like if someone wants to go explore something to heal themselves everybody's like hey no that's not on the plan you got to come back here that's crazy don't do that you gotta you gotta come back and then next thing you know you're sort of still an addict all the time and so you know you know i'm i don't want to air anybody's dirty laundry but one of my most popular athletes is an addict or was and to watch them change what they really did what really changed them the most was it was actually disassociating with that term and realizing that they don't have to be involved in that community all the time they don't have to give back because what happens is is correct me if i'm wrong you have to sponsor someone else and there's a sponsor and all the sponsors. And so you're giving all the time and maybe that's the way it works. But the issue is, is the reason why you're hollow is because you're, you're abandoning yourself from your own needs. And what I've been trying to make you realize is I want you to stop abandoning yourself. And when people do that, that's, you know, it's absolutely, um, It's absolutely just disheartening because I can't, I can bring someone to the water, but I can't make them drink it. Right. And that's the same thing with all this addiction stuff. It's like, you can't force people into recovery and you can't keep them there either. You have to trust that they have the tools that they need to move on and grow and, and get better. And so, you know, I'm really glad that the conversation with your sponsor went well because if it, I don't think if it, if it didn't, then I don't think you would be here. Um, but you can, you can tell me. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I think, see my sponsor, like the calls that you would get, you know, when Kenneth and I would talk and they were, you know, I'm, I'm crying generally. If it wasn't a good phone call, I was generally crying at the end because I was just, you know, that's where I was at. But, um, I just remember for months, I was calling my sponsor like twice a week, breaking down. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's going on. I'm not the same person. I don't mentally feel okay. I feel like I need to go into a fucking psych ward. Like that's how I felt. Um, So I think I wanted her approval, but at the same time, I was already at a space where I was just like, this is this is literally my last shot. Like, I don't know what else to do. This is the only hope I have. And uh, that's kind of where I was at with that. 
but it so was nice. You don't have you don't you don't have to get into the nitty gritty details. What were you gonna say, Laura? No, I just something? I find it rather interesting. So coming from um, a background like my dad was an alcoholic forever and ever, a very abusive alcoholic, and he stopped drinking, and but he didn't stop the behaviors. Right, mm. he didn't stop being quote an alcoholic because all of those things were still there even though yes. he wasn't actively drinking because he never went through a program he never figured his shit out and so when i heard you say which was i think just so powerful anyway it was powerful to me for you to say you were in this space where even though you weren't in an active addiction it felt exactly the same and that makes sense because there was to me it makes sense because of where i grew up right is to hear you say that is is to validate me as a person seeing my dad do that and yeah. knowing that 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 is the truth of it is you can go through those things and you can do try to do all those things but sometimes you're there's still that piece that hasn't been fixed so i right. just wanted yeah. to point that out and say like that is amazing and thank you so much for being vulnerable and courageous to say that because to say that you felt that way even though there wasn't anything traditionally that you could attach it to really shows that you've made such a huge um connection with yourself so thank you yeah absolutely absolutely um Kenneth, what were you so yeah. so what i was gonna say was so now we're getting ready for the ceremony, right? Yeah. And I see you post on social media <laughs> two water bottles. <laughs> and the water bottles are part of the ceremony where you're you're getting rid of the old and you're kind of, you know, you're you're getting the new. It, it's just symbolic of like trying to walk into the ceremony with intentions of healing yourself, coming out on the other side and being better. Whatever whatever it could be, it could be, you know, you want to work on your relationship with your mother or your father or whatever. And, you know, when I've walked into these ceremonies, I've had, you know, various traumas and, you know, my counselors tell me that I'm, I've got significant life experiences, almost like I'm an 80 year old man. And so I'm like, okay, well, I know what's in front of me. There's a table of shit in front of me. I'm going to focus on that table and then I'm going to go into it. And um, what I found is uh, through the medicine, the it's almost like God cracks your brain open and literally takes a flip book of all of your trauma and he flips it all. And he's like, yeah, you see this from a third party perspective. You're not emotionally invested in this, in seeing it. It's like you're kind of above it. And you see all the trauma from a third party perspective and you look at it with empathy, not only empathy for yourself, but empathy for the person that actually did it to you. And so you start to understand the why and behind why, well, my dad did this to me. And well, then you realize, well, my dad was just human. He was doing the best he could. Or my ex-girlfriend did this to me. And you just realize you're like, well, she's human too. And she was doing the best she could. And she had this trauma. And this is how this you know, transpired. And and so I've woken up a couple of three different times from this ceremony with lots of different takeaways. And I wouldn't be the coach I am today 
if it wasn't for these medicines, um, I do feel like it's a significant life-changing thing. And, you know, the shaman that uh, we both uh, were under, um, I spoke with him the other day, and he's headed to Arizona to work with a Native American tribe with an entire group of Marines. It's like 100 wow. Marines, and they're going to heal these Marines of their PTSD. And that is why I'm talking about this. It's such a significant thing that is kind of catching fire that even the pharmaceutical industry is looking for ways to sort of take these medicines, these plant medicines, and make them into a drug. And I think there's probably some negative uh, things going on there with the pharmaceutical industry because they're more money driven. But in the big scheme of things, um, you know, I want to talk about it because I see what it's done for you. I see what I see what it's done for other clients. You're not the only client that's done it. And um, honestly, you and one other individual are similar. And if neither one of you have done it, I I might be in the funny form with a straight jacket. I mean, it was just it was just a lot, you know. It was just like I don't know what's going on. But um, I think you know I want you to kind of speak to what your experience was and kind of how you came out of it. I mean, I remember you texting me and being like, "Bruh, like I'll get yeah. I'll get I'll get back." I'll get back to you tomorrow, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so maybe break down, break down what you were thinking. Yeah, so I just, I kind of want to, like, a real quick summary. You know, I have had trauma from sexual abuse, you know what I'm saying, uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse, you know, years ago, and then even while in recovery. You know, I've lost yeah. someone that I loved in recovery, so like even in recovery and then before that, I've had all this trauma that I've worked on, but then in recovery, I've developed new traumas as well. So there was a lot of stuff, a lot of PTSD that was coming in the way, you know, like getting in the way of me moving forward, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I just kind of wanted to, because uh, we talk about PTSD, but every everyone probably hasn't even heard like there's been some there's been quite a bit of tra trauma in my life that has kind of led me to this point um but, but yeah so you said like talk about my process or kind of what happened after um well talk about too just like the experience like when you were under the influence of the medication you know particularly the 5-MeO DMT <laughs> what did that feel like can you explain to the audience like you know, even at, even before you were about to do the medication, kind of where your mind was, were you fearful, were you not, yeah. you know, and then, and then what happened once you were under it? Yeah, so when, um, I, it was a Sunday, it was actually Father's Day, um, and I went and I set my intentions. I didn't know what I was going to experience. I was, of course, a little nervous, you know, like I haven't put a substance in my body in almost six years. Like this is, sure. um, you know, crazy. And, but I was just like so open about it. I was like, if this like frees me of something, great. Um, and so I remember when I was 
under I it's so funny you had told me you're gonna try and fight it because that's who you are and you said let it fucking go like (laughs) (laughs) and so I remember being I remember the whole thing that's you know, I don't know if people are aware that's, of that, but you you remember, yeah. yeah, you remember everything. It's not like you're like, I don't, you know, it's not like you went out and got blackout drunk or something. You remember yeah. everything, the whole process. Um, and I remember trying to fight it because of course, at one point visually I'm, I'm seeing stuff. I have my eyes closed, but I'm seeing, you know, um, and when I was fighting it, everything got dark and scary you know and when Mm -hmm. i would let go i remember seeing like a bright white light is the way that i described that's exactly that's the way exactly happened to me too yeah Mm -hmm. and so i remember when at the end of it you know i'm sitting up and i i did not cry i wailed like scream cried like in waves and i remember um the shaman asking me or telling me he's like you don't have to be suicidal anymore and I like it took me a second to process that because I was like yeah you know January but then I realized this has been going on for months I Mm -hmm. didn't know what my purpose was so I didn't understand why I was alive you know what I'm saying like after all the shit I've put myself through all the experiences inactive addiction why why did god choose me to live i don't even know what my purpose is so those were all the thoughts i was having while being under with kenneth you know like and i didn't recognize that until he said that to me and it was just a release of all this pain that i'd felt for years i mean and it just kept coming and coming until i couldn't i couldn't cry anymore i couldn't scream anymore and afterwards, it was like, I could fucking breathe. Like, all of that was done. Everything, all the pain that I had felt, um, and just just the trauma alone, um, it was like released. It was just this huge weight that was finally lifted that I had been working on in therapy for years and just couldn't seem to get past it you know it was just like i was Mm -hmm. i was stuck i was stuck um and so afterwards you're you know i I was still like somewhat out of it it took me a second to come back and i actually went and stayed at dahlia's house you know that Mm -hmm. that night and the first thing she said to me is she was like holy shit i have never seen you so relaxed and look happy like um she was just like you look like a different person mm-hmm. and so I was like and I'm like yeah well I still kind of feel out of it so mm-hmm. maybe we'll talk tomorrow about <laughs> it you know so so I don't know if that like answers your question but that was just kind of my experience you know I didn't know I knew my intention was like very open I wanted I had like a few intentions, but I was just open in that sense because I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know what I was walking into. I'm used to having <clears throat> control. 
mm-hmm. and to not have control and to be in such a vulnerable state, you know, um, was foreign to me. That's uncomfortable, yeah. you know, but I knew that I, I, I remember wanting to figure out my purpose and I was like, I'm not, I, when I talked to Kenneth the next day, I said, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. I said, but I'm not doing life insurance. I said, I know that's not my purpose. And what did I say? I was like, we're already doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, that's what I I wanted to hear. (laughs) Like, you've been waiting for me to say that. And I said, I know I'm meant to help people. I don't know what that looks like, you know, but I know that. And it's funny because I was just thinking about this. I was talking to my girlfriend the other day and I was telling her about my experience. And she brought up one of my past relationships and he was verbally abusive. I mean, it did, you know, he was definitely a narcissist for sure, but it did a lot of damage. I haven't been in a relationship since that relationship. And I was like, when she brought up his name, there was no emotion or reaction tied to There we go. And I was like, holy shit. I'm sitting here and I'm like, it is still working. Because the whole thing is like, even after you do the ceremony, it continues to work. And it was like, in that moment, I was like, there is no attachment to someone, to that trauma that I experienced in that relationship. And yes. that's been an ongoing battle for me. Here's a question like, no. for you. Whenever you, like, if you were to actively try to sit down right now and remember things he's done to you, can you even conjure it up? Yeah, but it's like, it's like it's different. hard. Is it, it's, yeah, yeah, it's really it's hard. Like, it's like hazy, like you can't, like your brain's like, I can't no. like pixelate it. Yeah, it's like so, your brain's like, no, we've already done, we've already dealt with that stuff. Like you don't get to pull it back up again. We've already dealt with it. I'm sorry, move along. There's nothing to see here. That's the yeah, way it feels like for me. Yeah, so, and it's been, I've seen it in a, di- a few different scenarios, Um, but that one's, I think one that's been like the most like obvious and apparent in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And even like with my dad, like talking with my dad, (laughs) had a conversation with him. And instead of me just being like, so fucking angry, I was like, okay, Hey dad, can you just like not do this when we're on the volleyball court? Cause it really makes me feel like you're micromanaging me. Before I, I was just eating up inside. He's gonna listen to this too. He has no idea. I was eating up inside for like three weeks. Like I don't even want to play volleyball with you because I don't want to be my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so mad. It was like, okay, I can just have a conversation and it's fine. You know, um, I would say today it's like I wake up and it's not going through the motions anymore. It's like I'm, I'm present in life today. Like I smile today. You laughed on the phone. You laughed yeah. on the phone with me, went without me telling a joke, and I was like, "Wait a minute, I don't know what's happening here." But like, she's happy. This? She's she's happy. This is great. This is great. And you know, I think that you know, if there's anybody <clears throat> listening that is is in a place like Lexi or me and you're looking for something like reach out to either one of us 
and we can kind of talk about the experience a little bit one-on-one -on -one potentially or um you know even maybe recommend you to the right shaman to yeah. to do do something similar um i do think it's just going to continue to pick up speed i think you're probably going to see uh states make it legal um, I know that Colorado is on the cusp of making psilocybin legal. I know that Washington is is, is too. Um, I think you're going to probably see it more commonplace. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, it wasn't about, like, uh, I guess, telling people about psychedelics, but more about the fact that, like, how much it's impacted both of us sort of on a deeper level, but you told me you wanted to help people. And this right here is going to be helping people. And yeah. I think, you know, your story, the cool thing about our stories is nobody can take our stories away. Right. No. Nobody, nobody can say, well, your story is fucking not true. <laughs> well, I mean, you can say it if you want to, but it doesn't make it any less true. And so when we have testimonials, you know, not only from, you know, a ceremony like this, but even our coaching. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to circle this back around. So this week, this past week, after she did the ceremony, how many pounds did we drop? Dropped three pounds. Bingo. And I hadn't trained. I had not trained in yep. six days when this happened. And I was like, what? Yeah. It's like, oh, because yeah. I'm not oh, Kenneth, being a psycho. Kenneth, yeah, Kenneth actually <laughs> kind of knows something maybe, yeah. potentially. And and I said to her in a very joking way, I was like, she called me, well, she posted on social media and I called her. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. I was like, it's all happening because you're not insane anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and that's yeah. the truth. And yeah. Like at, at the end of the day, and Laura can be, you know, an advocate here too. When you stop being neurotic, when you stop trying to control everything, when you slow down and you take care of yourself to move in the right direction, that's when the scale moves in the right direction. Yeah. And Definitely, the scale is not the only know, thing. Everything changes. Yeah, yeah. Forcing, thinking that you're going to force your body to be healthy by doing all the things, right? Add more to your plate. Um, do more for everyone else, get more specific, look at your steps more, right? Like just get down to the nitty gritty. You're going to run yourself into the ground, get a bigger shovel. Cause that's what you're doing. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. You need to relax and you need to deal with your mental shit because there's a reason that you need to grab a bigger shovel. It's because you're not dealing with your shit. And this is one effective way that you guys have found to deal with that stuff and it's amazing and i was going to tell you too real quick just to tag on to that you were talking about tracking your steps and all that stuff <laughs> laura what was one of the things you got rid of oh my god do you see i don't have any nothing i'm naked no i don't tracking have device. a aura ring i don't have a watch nothing and i'm like me don't too give <laughs> I'm so not tracking got, my steps, I swear. I, so, so I got I got rid of my whoop, and I had my whoop for two years, and I was religious about it. I thought, like, it was the gospel. It was going to tell me exactly when I needed to train, when I didn't need to train. I was meticulous about my HRV to a degree. I'm not as obsessive-compulsive as a lot of people are. But I realized, like, for me, 
I just, after these experiences of healing for me, I just didn't care anymore. I stopped looking at it. I stopped looking at it because it really didn't matter. I needed to feel the way I felt when I woke up. I didn't need to let a device determine what my mood was going to be that day or what I was going to do that day. I was going to listen to my body for the first time. Well, and, and when you bring up a good point though, because those devices are tools. It's right. just like counting macros, people. right? It's just like what we talked about at the beginning, Lexi, with you, where you were like, tell me what to eat. Cause I've never known how to eat intuitively. <laughs> you can't do it until you use the tool to teach yourself to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the nice thing was, Kenneth, is you had the tool. So you knew kind of what you were looking for. You needed to be able to reconnect to your body in yeah. order to do it without the tool. And that's the yeah. key. And there's times all the time when I'm working with clients and they'll be like, this happened last week. They were like, um, well, I checked my weight yesterday and I checked it today and I'm going to check it tomorrow and I'm going to check it the next day. And so far it hasn't moved at all. And I don't really know why, but I'm doing all the things. I'm not stressed out. Everything's fine. I, I mean, everything's it's, it's going fine. And I'm like, Hey, um, just do me a favor. Stop checking your weight, please. Because you are literally going crazy about your weight. And I used to do this too. Austin, I, I doubt Austin will listen to this, but if he did, he'd laugh his ass off. So he has me check, check my blood sugar. And when I was in the most traumatic state that I was in, I checked my blood sugar and I'm literally like on edge thinking it's going to be 110. It's going to be 110 and Austin's going to be disappointed because I'm not managing my stress. And this is, I'm just fucking crazy town over here and I just can't do this anymore. So I was like, you know, I just don't know what's going on with my blood sugar. I'm, I feel like I'm letting you down. And he literally, we're on a Zoom call together and he's one of my closest friends. And he looks at me, he's like, hey, um, crazy guy, will you stop? Just stop. Just stop it. Quit being a nutcase. I'm like, Okay. So am I just never going to do that again? He's like, no, when you get more stable, we might track that. It's a tool that we don't need right now. You need to work on some other thing. So if you are obsessive compulsive over certain things that we're tracking as coaches, we're probably going to take that responsibility out of your hand. Um, and hell, the next thing you know, you might not have an Apple watch on anymore or <laughs> You know, and honestly, the more I figure out about what our society is about, the less connected I want to be to it. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm super. Go ahead, Lexi. I was, yeah, I just wanted to say this real quick because I was thinking about it. Um, you know, with someone being in recovery, I do not advocate, you know, for people that are in recovery that like, hey, this is the solution to all your problems. You know what I'm saying? Because like, this isn't. I did not do this lightly. I did yep. this very intentionally. I did my homework on it. I talked to other people in recovery that have had experience doing this, you know? Mm -hmm. So this isn't like, oh, Lex was just like wanted a freebie. Like, no, this was kind of like, this was for me like life or death situation, you know? Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did just want to say that because if there are people in recovery listening, like just cause you're in a rut, you can get out of the rut. This was not a rut, you know? Right. Exactly. Um, so that's all I wanted to say. So yeah. Lex, super excited yeah. to watch you continue in your journey with Kenneth.
Um, and I know everyone listening is going to want to do that also. So can you just let us know, I'm going to put it in the show notes too, but what, how can people follow you, follow your journey and get to know you better? Well, I'm at the fit insurance girl on Instagram. I've been trying to brainstorm and I'm like, I don't know what it's going to be next, but that of now is my TikTok and my Instagram um, handle. So we'll see what happens or what name I come up with, but yeah, awesome. I'm excited too. I'm yeah. excited and I'm really grateful to be on here and just, I don't know, just getting to know like you, Laura, even better. You know, I see, I see you every week. So. Oh, thank you. Kenneth, any last thoughts? Um, I just, I'm really thankful that you are where you are, Lexi, and I'm proud of you. And uh, you have exceeded my expectations more than you could imagine. And I can only imagine what, you're going to do next. Like I'm, I'm really excited about your determination and where you are mentally. And, you know, I hope that, uh, I hope that people are listening and that they, they have some takeaways here and, and you are helpful to them because that's really why we have the podcast. I mean, yeah, I think, I think it's kind of a dual thing. Uh, we want our clients who don't always get to talk to us all the time to be able to have access to us and maybe, you know, pick our brains and sort of a, way that isn't normal you know maybe it's not a topic that they're thinking about but it's something that they may need to think about and then on top of that it's just can we reach more people and kind of educate people on what to do and how to approach things and um and really be the change that we want to see because laura and i both are very different in the fact that we are mental health focused uh primarily and then we are health focused from a physical standpoint secondarily and then from a third standpoint, we're physique changing at that point. So um, I think that's what's going to make us, you know, even better coaches. And we're all going to be successful for it. So, Lexi, last yeah. thoughts you want to leave people with? Anything, any big takeaway that you didn't say or something you want to wrap up in a nice little bow for people? <laughs> nice little bow. Um, you know, I guess it's more of just like if – if you're like struggling, you know what I'm saying? Like if you're struggling and like, you don't know what to do, you know, one doctors are not always going to have the solution. And sometimes looking within, you know, and really, mm -hmm. really exploring the reflection, you know, your reflection. Um, to me, that's been such a, such a big part of me or part of my life that I neglected for so long you know, um, mm -hmm. and then just being like open-minded and let fucking go. That's, there you go. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's not, was... it's no longer let go. It's let go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hopefully listeners, you got something out of the podcast. I know you did. If you did though, go ahead and put it in the notes. We will drop everything in the show notes for you. Thank you for listening to episode 21. Lexi, you're amazing. Kenneth, as are you have a great week. everybody. <laughs>